Join us as we go back in time to get our licenses to kill from MI6. We take a look at all the James Bond songs of the 1960s on today's very special episode of That Song From That Movie. Good morning, good afternoon and good evening. You're through to That Song From That Movie, the journey through the very best and worst of movie songs. I am your shaken, not stirred host Dietrich and we are joined today by the positively shocking alex <laughs> is that is that one for, is that thunderball that one what, what, what was that from where he electrocutes him and says that was positively shocking i think it must be thunderball yeah the one with all the water isn't it the one with all the water <laughs> the one with all the water yeah but it's also where he like throws a harpoon through someone and says like i'm glad you got the point or something along those lines great brilliant it's like commander and also joined by he has a slight stiffness coming on uh, in his shoulder, it's Ben. Definitely in the shoulder. <laughs> as long as it's above the waist. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Reoccurring injury. <laughs> Got a Viagra stuck, stuck in my neck. I had a stiff neck for weeks. <laughs> How are we today? Good, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a bit more, it's a bit murkier, a bit windier today. I've had uh, glorious sunshine for so long. It is just uh, raining where I am. Yeah, it's raining here. Yeah. Oh, well. It's grim, dark. Always beautiful in East Anglia. I love the fact that we always talk about the weather. Of course we do. Yeah, it's just it, yeah, it, it's the it's like ringing back on a holiday, isn't it? What time is it over there? Oh, it's two hours earlier. You know, it's two hours earlier. I was going to mention a film I saw yesterday, but then you started talking about the weather, and I was like, no, that's much more appropriate. Was it a weather-related film? Did you watch Geostorm? No, I didn't. No, no, that would have been good. Oh, yeah, perfect storm. That yeah. with Pierce, that's Pierce Brosnan in, doesn't it? As well, that would have been a good link. But alas, <laughs> what film did you see, Alex? <laughs> oh, it was Detective Pikachu. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. What did you think? Um, I wasn't overly impressed with it. I thought it was okay. I thought they could have been like more. They could have invested more in the actual mystery of everything. It seemed like that was kind of just like a second thought. And, and like obviously the twist would have worked out about twenty minutes beforehand. <laughs> Only twenty minutes. Only twenty minutes. Yeah, no, yeah. It should have taken. It, it should have been should have been sooner probably. But yeah, I thought it was okay. I thought the world was pretty cool. It was kind of like a yeah. cross between like London and Japan, and it was quite it's quite awesome. San Francisco. Yeah, it was a bit like San Francisco, yeah. Lund San Francisco, yeah, yeah. My memory of seeing this film in the cinema is sitting down and then realising it was only children in the rest of the cinema and a sort of, like, realisation of, oh, this is a kid's movie, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. I think that was kind of, like, what was disappointing about it in a way. Actually, it was like, oh, this is really a kid's film when I was watching yeah. it. That's how it felt. Yeah. When I maybe was expecting something more. But as well, I thought it would link back more to the um, original Pokemon, the movie. And I know it did a little bit, like it did reference it, but I thought it would be tied in more somehow. I don't know how. I thought for a long time that the main character's dad would be Ash Ketchum. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah, that would have been nice. That would have been nice. Well, it seemed to all make sense because his Pokemon was a Pikachu and so on and so forth. And he had the link with Mewtwo. (laughs) So a subpar 8 out of 10. Yeah, it was alright. I do want another one, but not for kids. <laughs> How could they do another one, though? Oh, no, I, I'm i a Pikachu again. <laughs> yeah. It could be like, um, it's not Detective Pikachu this time. It could be like a different occupation. Oh, yeah, like Dr. Pikachu. Or... Fisherman Pikachu. <laughs> oh, he, he like, wears like one of those sort of like fisherman jumpers and like a hat. Yeah. yeah this has like quickly that. become the Pokemon podcast. <laughs> another podcast that we should do. Okay, right. So, uh, first of all, we should probably say we've made it to episode 10. Yay. Yay. Still going. 
with it being episode 10, we're introducing a slightly different concept of special episodes where we throw away the format and do something different. So this time we're looking at the James Bond songs of the 1960s. We should say as well, we're doing every film from the 60s and we're doing it in chronological order and we'll discuss each one. And then um, at the end, I think we're going to decide which is our best and worst from the decade. The best and worst of James Bond movie songs. From the 1960s. Yes. And then the next episode we do, so not the next episode we do chronologically, but the next one we do in this series will be the Bond films of the 70s. So the first film of the 60s in the James Bond collection was Dr. No, of course, which was 1962. So this one, interestingly, well, not interestingly, probably you would guess is the (laughs) only one that doesn't have a main song. And in fact, the main song is the James Bond theme, which is arguably the best song. Which which people may argue is the best song, yeah. Well, it's actually, it's what's interesting about this one is that, so first of all, Dee, you'll appreciate this um, after your rant in the um, Breakfast Club episode that we did. This is the only Bond film that goes straight into credits from the gun barrel scene. So it doesn't have a pre-credits scene. So I know you'll appreciate that. Yes, absolutely. So it has the gun barrel sequence, which I should mention as well, is not Sean Connery. It's actually a stuntman and his name is Bob Simmons. And I think he was the guy who did the gun barrel sequence for the first three films. Oh, right. oh. Certainly did it for the two that I've got. And uh, you'll notice the difference because I think it's Thunderball, which is the fourth one, has Sean Connery and he gets down like on one knee. Whereas the one in the first three has a hat on for one thing. And then like he like sort of does like a jump. It looks like Inspector Gadget. Yeah, he does look like Inspector Gadget. He kind of <laughs> does like a jump turn as well. It's quite cool. But I think it's something to do with the change to the aspect ratio between the third and fourth film. Uh, okay. So they refilmed it with uh, Sean Connery in it. So that's interesting. So they, it goes straight from that into the opening credits, which is where the Bond theme plays first. And then there's two more songs that come straight after it, one of which is the Doctor No theme, which is kind of like a bit like a, a sort of samba rhythm yeah. sort of like interlude. And then it goes into what is called the Kingston Calypso, <laughs> which is, of course, a reference to the fact that the film is set in Jamaica. It's sort of like a steel pan version of Three Blind Mice. And there's like three old men like walking in silhouette <laughs> across the screen. And then that kind of links into the first scene of the film. So uh, to the Bond theme itself was written by Monty Norman, which I think is a lovely name. It sounds very Great cozy name. and comfortable. Monty Norman. And it was arranged by John Barry, who would later go on to compose music for 11 Bond films. Legendary, isn't it? However, controversy. Barry oh. claims that he originated the Bond theme, not Norman, Ooh. which has been disputed in court twice. Wow. However, Norman won both times, and the most recent one of those was 2001. So he claims that he, for contractual reasons, was not allowed to claim credit for composing the song. He's not even actually listed in the credits. It's just like the John Barry Orchestra. Gosh. (laughs) Yeah. You said, Ben, probably that the Bond theme song might be the best, might be the best song. It's probably the most recognisable. I think I love the nod that it has in like all, well, I say all, but at least most subsequent Bond films where it's like he's even just done something like, exuberantly cool and then it plays the theme again or he's in a car chase or something and I think it just reminds you of like how undeniably cool he's intended to be (laughs) regardless of his flaws I think it (laughs) just brings back to the original intent of the character and I think it's just always uh, it's like even when you haven't seen that many or your, your fondness is just for say the recent Bonds like the Daniel Craig era when the song starts it's like it's almost like cultural nostalgia that is, it, might, it might not be something that you have yourself, but you just, it feels good to watch a Bond film. So if someone hasn't even seen the James Bond films and you said, what's the James Bond theme? They'll know it. 
Yep. Oh, definitely. And I, I love that every, I think every film opens with it and opens with the gun barrel scene. Like I said, this one goes straight into the credits, but I think everyone after that starts with that. Then uh, the little white dot like goes to the core and then the, the scene yeah. expands from there and there's a pre-title credits. Um, so I think every time you go to see a James Bond film, it gives you that sort of like, like immediate, like, oh yes, I'm, I'm settling down for a Bond here. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of, I kind of, I guess it kind of, like we talked about in the Breakfast Club episode, D, about the credits. Yeah. This in a way kind of gets round it, I think, because one, you're expecting a pre-credits scene in James Bond now, but it always has that interlude at the beginning that sort of like gets you into it. Because I think your point was that you don't have time to settle. But I guess maybe that's almost the point with James Bond is that you get that and then you don't have time to sell it straight into the action. So I guess mm-hmm. maybe it's an example where they've subverted the problem that you have. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, and I guess it was probably uh, opening credits were a lot more prevalent in the 60s yeah. as well. Yeah, and these are these are pretty cool opening credits. I don't know if you guys watched them. Yeah. And I think it obviously sets the tone for every Bond film to come in a way. I think I think when we talk about Rush from Love, that does more. But I think that this is sort of like... It's got that sort of. It's very sixties. It's very like very uh, people like doing like hip dancing and like you know from <laughs> from the from the torso down like sort of like shimmying and stuff, and then it segues into the weird like three blind mice thing. It's it's very unusual. Other than obviously the James Bond theme, if you saw the last half of the opening credits, you probably wouldn't know it was a James Bond film. But I guess obviously there was no like common iconography and everything for a James Bond film at this point because it is the first one. But I like that they took it in further films and made it like a trope. They made that sort of opening credits with the silhouettes and the colour and the and everything sort yeah. of work across. It's there. It's pretty cool. Yeah. And should we go into the second film? Go for, go for it. it. So From Russia With Love was the year later, so 1963. So the song was written by Lionel Bart, who was famous for writing the musical Oliver. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but he only wrote this song it was scored by john barry this time so monty norman was no longer used it was just john barry surprise surprise (laughs) yeah Yeah. this guy trying to steal all the limelight yeah exactly so john barry comes in as the formal composer for this film the song was performed by matt monroe and he was given the name the man with the golden voice (laughs) yeah i'll I'll go with that and matt monroe has also recorded other major movie songs do either of you know what they are oh I'm going to keep myself. Born Free. Oh, really? (laughs) From the film Born Free. And On Days Like These, which is from Italian Job. Yeah, yeah. Damn it. I should have known that one. So as I said before, like with Doctor No, they incorporated sort of like Jamaican music into the opening credits and the sort of tile three split song. And they were planning on doing something similar with this film. Even though it's called From Russia, we love the vast majority of the film. I don't know if you guys remember, it's set in Turkey. Yeah good three quarters of it mm-hmm. and then uh, probably the last quarter is on a train <laughs> so there's not i don't know if there's actually any parts in russia in this entire film possibly there might be a little bit i can't remember that where does the title come from then because it's linked the whole storyline is linked to um soviets and uh, russian spies but it's, okay. but it's set in turkey it's specter it's the, it's the initial introduction of specter yeah and i think there's yeah there's ties to communist russia as a lot of the films in the early bond yeah. series are in fact the ones in the 90s i think are as well aren't they yeah all the cold war references and whatnot that's where it comes from i think so yeah they were planning originally to incorporate turkish flavor and it's interesting because i think it was john barry but it might not have been it might have been someone else he went on a on a trip to turkey to sort of soak up the music to try and get inspiration <laughs> okay paid on the company credit card was it <laughs> it probably was yeah 
he basically just says we had a strange week going around to nightclubs and soaking up the music, but ultimately they learned nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder why. <laughs> so basically, they went they went back to Lionel Bar and was like, "Yeah, we've got nothing." And then, he, and th- this is funny. The quote is just like, "And then he produced from Russia with Love." <laughs> <laughs> we got nothing but this amazing tan. He probably knew what the song was going to be before he even went. <laughs> exactly. He probably already had it written. Yeah. He played them for a trip. One thing they did say was that they thought that Turkish music was a little bit too comedic for a James Bond song. Okay. And yet, Free by Mice was in. <laughs> Dr. <Not to> no. <laughs> That's very true. Yeah, that is weird. So I think that this is the first and only time, but you guys might know differently, that a James Bond song features diegetically in the film. Hmm. Let me get the dictionary. Means it's like within the context of the film, so not played over the top, not oh, okay, played yeah, on yeah, the yeah, credits. Yeah. So like it's so it features on a radio midway through the film. That's the first time oh. you hear it because in the opening credits, the song that features in it is the same song, but it doesn't have any vocals and it, it's like an up tempo version. Yes. Which many people from the comments and stuff that I read, I mean comments of YouTube, has to go back to I think we used them once before they were sort <laughs> yeah. of saying that they preferred the version in the opening credits because it was like more up-tempo, it was more action-packed, it was felt more like a James Bond song, which, you know, I can understand. But personally, I think the final version that features in the middle and in full in the end credits, I think it's kind of representative of what the James Bond songs become. It sort of sets the template. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I think it's, I think the Matt Monroe one's great. You, de- you can definitely see how the ones that are coming up, that is the template and that's where, where they've worked from. Was there a particular reason why they chose not to have it over that? Or is it, what was it just that subsequently they chose to... For one, obviously, they didn't do it in the first film. But I think yes. as well, it um, is because of what I said about it not being up-tempo enough. I think yeah. they thought that it would it'd be too like a sluggish introduction to a film that's like, filled with action. Mm-hmm. And as well, like the opening credits, uh, the, the pre-credits scene... I don't know if you guys remember, but basically it's like it's like James Bond running through like a hedge maze, yeah, and he's yeah. like, you look, you're not quite sure why he's there and what he's doing, and then he gets killed, but then you find out that it's like a training exercise, and it's like a man in a mask, it's like a man in a Sean Connery mask, <laughs> <laughs> and like that that sets a theme that comes up in one of the later films, which we'll cover in the sixties, where James Bond also dies at the beginning. I don't know why they they it's decided that that was a thing they wanted to do. <laughs> well, I mean, it happens to quite a few, doesn't it? But I was thinking of you and the live twice, but specifically. Spoiler. Yeah, spoiler. <laughs> yeah, spoiler for the first five minutes. <laughs> I think the the title cards for from Russia with Love are the worst in the sixties. Do you think? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just like it's just like a projector printed on like a woman's stomach or a woman's arm, and there's one where she's belly dancing, and it just I can't help but laugh. Yeah, well, so that's obviously a reference to like to the to Turkey, and also yes. the part like the weird um scene in the, there's a w- really unusual scene in the middle of this film where James Bond sort of attends like a, a traveler's party. And there's like two women fighting to become the wife of a of someone, but like James Bond interjects, and then so like one of them tries to become James Bond's wife. It's really bizarre. <laughs> Some of the flaws evident with James Bond, in, especially in the earlier films. It's just like, what is this? Yeah, so obviously that's kind of like a reference to that sort of like gypsy kind of Turkish yep. gypsy sort of situation. But it is weird. But I, probably maybe that was like really advanced. Uh, yeah, it might have been wise from the 1960s because I thought that about the Doctor No one because it's sort of like just like coloured silhouettes dancing on the screen. But they probably thought, "Ooh, look at this new fancy technology we've created! Isn't yeah. this amazing?" What projectors? Projectors, yeah, projectors. <laughs> Maybe not a great example, but it is. It is kind of what they do for every other James Bond film afterwards. Almost, you know, the sort of like 
the female body swaying side to side. They, they kind of do it in a different way every time, but that's basically what it is. Yeah, they, they look a little bit uncomfortable, don't I feel, in the From Russia With Love one. Like, <laughs> yeah. they just don't look natural in their bodies in those movements. It, it, yeah, you can yeah. start getting the impression they're going, you, you want me to do what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just John Barry shouting, dance, dance! You want me to wiggle my arms? Like, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this, this is like a big film, right? <laughs> yeah, sure it is. Yeah. To be fair, I think we'll, you know, we might go into it, but they, they use the projector again, don't they, in the in title cards for another film in the 60s? They do. Maybe the opening credits was filmed on their, their trip, this mysterious trip to Turkey where they learned nothing. <laughs> yeah, it might have been. <laughs> <laughs> They're just like in back rooms in these weird Turkish nightclubs, probably like smoking hashish or something. <laughs> <laughs> do you like the song, Alex? I do. I do like the song for this, and I think I would probably rank it highly overall. I think we're going to do a uh, just like an individual list for the sixties at the end, aren't we? But mm-hmm. um, or like a top and bomb. But I think like in the overall scheme of things for the twenty, how many Bond films have there been? Now? Probably should have known this. Twenty six, twenty four, and the new, new one's twenty five. Twenty five. I think I'd, I'd rank it very highly, actually. I really like this one, um, and I think as well because it's the proper first Bond song. It obviously holds that. Way, yes. but it it kind of informs every other one in a way. I feel like every other song you can trace back to this one, even if it's just like a musical refrain or or the sort of big band or the the, the booming voice. Especially like the sort of like Shirley Bassey ones or the sort of more ballady ones can definitely definitely do draw from this one. So yeah, I think I, I think it's one of my favorite. It's also one of my favorite films as well. I think mm-hmm. it's probably one of the best films. I don't think many people would. Who, you know, aficionados, let's call them the Bond aficionados, would disagree that it's probably one of the top five films yeah so i I really like this film and song i think it's probably one of my favorites of both it is a really good song very good song i kind of maybe agree with them that it maybe i mean it probably would have worked as an opening credits i don't think it would have distracted from the film but it's nice that it ends the film as well because i don't know if a lot of them do do they i don't i don't remember too many where the closing credits of the song maybe maybe they do midway through but this kind of comes in as the credits do and it's kind of like a nice sign off obviously with the name of the film from russia with love i think it ends the film perfectly So now it's my turn, moving on to 1964 with Goldfinger, which was directed by Guy Hamilton. Powerful tycoon Goldfinger has initiated a scheme to destroy the world. James Bond's going to stop him. <laughs> <laughs> Good summary. <laughs> That's what you want. And he, he likes gold. <laughs> so Goldfinger generally is considered to be one of, or if not, the best James Bond movie of all. It's the highest rated on Rotten Tomatoes with 98%. Is there? There's only one Rotten Review... So I obviously had to give it a read. Of course. So the synopsis of this review. What they give us in Goldfinger is an excuse of science fiction fun, a mess of mechanical melodrama, and a minimum of bedroom farce. <laughs> a minimum, <laughs> a minimum of, bedroom. of bedroom farce. Is that his criticism? <laughs> you want it more. So this one rotten review was from December 1964, and it was in the New York Times. Oh, gosh. <laughs> So I went and read the full <laughs> review, and like three or four times during this review, he complains that there's not enough women. Wow. <laughs> Good God. I mean, it's a, that's a snapshot of the times, isn't it? I cannot believe that. Aged like milk. Moving on to the, the bit that really is the bit everyone remembers, the song from Goldfinger called Goldfinger. So it gets bonus points for having the name of the song. Yeah, definitely. I mean, w- w- so far it's 100% of actual songs yep. that have the name of the song. Except Doctor No. Yeah, well, 100% of the actual songs. I'm not counting it. <laughs> and actually, there was one called Dr. No Theme. Okay, yeah, I'll, you, you can have that. 
So it's sang by Dame Shirley Bassey, who I believe is the most used singer for James Bond songs with three. I don't know if anyone else has more than three. Uh, no, I don't think so. Does Tina Turner have two, maybe? Possibly. So Dame Shirley Bassey should have had, well, nearly had four, had a future movie song not being changed. I just put a pin in that. <laughs> <laughs> with Goldfinger, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, it's a great, it's a classic. Like, the opening is just delivered with such sort of power, isn't it? And, like, ferocity. And we can't forget yes. the... <laughs> Why is yours dip at the end when it go down it? Why is yours like um like an old western? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're doing the Enio Morricone version. <laughs> That's what it does. <laughs> That's not what it does. Yeah, but it's just more, more big band. I think yours just sounds like you're doing the... Yeah, it needs to be... Yeah, it needs to be sort of. It's still got the like the oomph at the end. Yours, yours is like you've like you finished the end of the whoopee cushion, and it's just. I think if you re-listen to it, the intro of it is like that. John Barry <laughs> should sue Ennio Morricone, or vice versa. I mean, interestingly, we're saying it sounds like a Morricone song, but the actual people that wrote the lyrics thought it sounded like Moon River. It would improve the song. <laughs> Doesn't sound like a steamboat sort of uh, <laughs> plodding along song, does it then? So like we're saying it's like it's iconic song and it sounds like so many other songs. <laughs> yeah. Breakfast at Tiffany's would be very different. <laughs> <laughs> I can kind of see it. Like maybe like the actual way she says like the note she hits possibly might be similar, but it's the song itself is <laughs> I don't know how you can say it's that similar. Uh, so it's used on the opening credits, so this is another example of projection on to women, but painted in gold. Nobody died. That is an urban legend. <laughs> <laughs> this one's done better, though. Like, the projections looks a bit more stylish. They turned the craft, that's why. Yeah. I actually think From a Strum With Love looks better, because there's bits where, like, Odd Job's face is, like, projected on someone's thigh, and it looks really strange. <laughs> As it's meant to be. <laughs> it's warping his already large head to make it look larger. <laughs> I heard that was in his contract. <laughs> you must project my head on someone's thigh. So Shirley Bassey uh, didn't record the original version of this song for the film. Okay. So the people that wrote the lyrics, Leslie Bricuse, don't know. I I'm going to go with that exact one, Dean, in a bit. Yeah, I was kind of annoyed that I had to go first with that. <laughs> that person, plus Anthony Newley, and it was Anthony Newley that recorded the first version, which you can listen to on YouTube, but it was rejected for being too creepy. <laughs> Goldfinger. Whereas, like, Shirley Bassett is quite a bombastic, she's, like, shouting it. He's, like, Goldfinger. <laughs> mwah, mwah, mwah. What, like, yeah. uh, Leonard Cohen or something like that? <laughs> Spoken word, yeah. But the music's also quite jazz-influenced. Yeah. So you can almost imagine it being played in a jazz club with people sat around in the dark, clicking their fingers when the song ends. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, I would definitely give it a go on YouTube. It's It oh, starts off weirdly, but I think by the second time you get to Goldfinger, you're sort of like, oh. I kind of get where this is going. <laughs> Regardless, it, it wasn't right for the movie, so they brought in Shirley Bassey, who apparently was dating John uh, John Barry. Is that his name? Yep. Really? Wow. Maybe that's why she kept coming back. <laughs> yeah. How many did you say he did, Alex? Eleven. But he composed, like, he was the composer on the films. I don't know how he was involved, how much he was involved in the individual songs. Yeah. Probably obviously a slight influence with the music and things. I imagine it was his orchestra that recorded them. Do we think it's... Well, actually, no, I'm not going to ask that. I was going to say, do you think it's especially the Bassey song? But <laughs> so I suppose we'll leave that until the very end of the yeah, series. Yeah, that's a podcast. Idea. Yeah. I think pretty much all of hers are great. So... <laughs> but I think this is this one's got to be, like, one of the ones that everyone just, like, knows immediately. 
Like if you think, like if someone asked you to think of a Bond song, I imagine this is probably one of the very first that would come to mind. I actually tested this out yesterday and my wife, who's not Bond aficionado by any stretch, I don't think she's seen these original ones. I played all six of these songs from the films in the 60s and this was the one where straight away she was like, oh, it's Goldfinger. And she's not seen Goldfinger. Yeah. Would you not like, oh, it's Moon River? (laughs) (laughs) She wasn't, no. I didn't realise Breakfast at Tiffany's was a Bond film. (laughs) I think it's just one of those ones that everyone just knows straight away. Yeah. Probably from the Simpsons Max Power episode. The musical intro, though, is just, again, even before the words have started. It just resonates, doesn't it, in musical history? Yeah, it and does. Like Dee said, bombastic is the best word, probably. There is uh, someone that doesn't like this, and that was a producer on the film, a guy called Harry Saltzman. Oh, yeah. He campaigned to get this song removed from the film during production, but it was too late for a new song to be written and recorded. Really? Annoying that I couldn't find the source, so I'm going to take this with a pinch of salt, but there was a quote attributed to this Harry Saltzman guy about the song, in which he said, that's the worst fucking song I've ever heard in my fucking life. Nice, nice. I think <laughs> Harry, Saltzman, Harry Saltzman was one of the two people who set up Eon Productions, so he was obviously a big name in setting up Bond. Yeah, it's him and um, Broccoli. broccoli or, yeah. yeah, Albert R. Broccoli. Yeah. They're the yeah. main two producers, I think, for, for most, yeah, pretty much all of them. So I assume we don't agree with Harry Saltzman's opinion of Goldfinger, the song. 100% not. No. <laughs> yep. <laughs> you would just flip it. Exactly, yeah. Let's move on to the next one, which is, unlike what's written in my notes, it's called Thunderball, which was released a year later in 1965 and directed by Terence Young, which was his third and final James Bond film. Can we just talk about very quickly like, how quickly they churned these out? 62, yeah. 63, 64, 65. Well, this one's December 65, so I guess there's slightly more time between this and the previous one. Just been constantly filming them. Yeah, just never stopped. Um, as soon as they finish on one, they just fly to the next location. What, John Barry flies to another place to try and learn about musical inspiration? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, get to more nice Where's ones the next one? Foreign. Japan? Fantastic. I'll get my coat. <laughs> I mean, I was going to say that Sean Curry must have found it difficult to follow what was going on, but to be honest, no one knows what's going on in Bond films anyway. So no. Plots are just so so <laughs> bizarre in some cases, but it just doesn't matter. Did you say plot? Because I've got the plot for Thunderball. Go on. Go for it. <laughs> so a terrorist group, Spectre, hijacks warheads and threatens widespread nuclear destruction. James Bond is going to stop him. <laughs> Does he? As in, does he succeed? He's going or? there to try. <laughs> <laughs> With the help of Tom Jones. Just play it in his head over and over. <laughs> yeah, Tom Jones is serenading him. The inspiration you need. It is, yeah, I mean, it is. Just goodness gracious. The reason why I wanted to bring up that plot is because if you're sat at home thinking, isn't that the plot to never say never again, then you are correct. <laughs> We're not allowed to speak about that one. <laughs> yeah, so basically there's a large legal battle over who created the story of Thunderball and the characters. And eventually the rights were split, allowing a, a separate production company to create a James Bond film with exactly the same story, essentially. Uh, though it's not considered an official canon James Bond film. Because it's not. I feel like maybe when we get to it, to talk about the fact that Never Say Never Again even has its own song. Like, it has a James Bond song. <laughs> wow, well, weird. Yeah. And it's weird that it's Sean Curry in both as well. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Like, if it was like they'd remade like a Roger Moore, would be Sean, but with Sean Connery. I mean, I couldn't understand it, but I could at least, like, accept it. But this is just so bizarre. <laughs> they would make the same film twice with the same person in it. It really is. What? What's that? They made the same film twice? Well, the same production company began to start creating a third version of this Thunderball story <laughs> in the late 90s using Timothy Dalton as James Bond. So it would have been the same story, but Timothy Dalton. Any guesses on what the title of that one was going to be? Um, Euro Millions. We said never again. Miles away. It was Warhead 2000 AD. That's the Bond name, isn't it? Sounds more like a sci-fi novel. 
Warhead 2000 AD, it does, doesn't it? Yeah. Some sort of cheap paperback sci-fi novel. <laughs> does it mean, like, all the tech would have been, like, based on what is futuristic in the 60s? Like, would he have, like, a really naff-looking jetpack, but in the year 2000? <laughs> Probably. This is the one with the jetpack, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Well, I was thinking, because I had the PS2 game of From Russia With Love, they did, like, a... I don't know if you guys remember oh, this, yeah. but they did, like, a, a video game version with Sean Connery in it. But you had a jetpack in one of the bits, but they obviously just pulled that from this because it's not in the film. But it did have uh, Natasha Bedingfield in it. The game or the movie? The game. The film might have. I don't think she's as old as that. (laughs) So I'll move on to the song for Thunderball, which is called Thunderball. And it's performed by Sir Tom Jones. So it's on the opening credits. Again, it's scantily clad women. But this time they're swimming. Yeah. <laughs> They've turned it up a notch now. Yeah. Silhouettes of women swimming. The background is like pictures and video of bubbles, but it's like somebody's messing around with the colour saturation. Yeah. Yeah. Was that one of the bubbles popping? Yes. Yes, it was. <laughs> <laughs> hey, actually, you know, from, from our angle, it really sounds like underwater, sort of like sonar. Yeah, oh, it yeah. did. Yeah. Leave it in. <laughs> it's intention. I was just going to point out, Sir Tom Jones, Dame Shirley Bassey. Why is it not Sir Matt Monroe? Is Matt Monroe? I honestly he's, don't he's know. Dead, yeah. Matt Monroe is English, though, isn't he? Yeah. He is, yeah, but he is dead. So, I mean, I don't think you can have a post-Hume's knighthood. No? Can you not? Well, you, you possibly can. I don't know. Maybe they, they put, like, the sword on, like, your grave or something. I don't know if it, yeah. I'm not sure. I'm all for post-Hummus knighthoods. Post-Hummus. <laughs> Should all knighthoods be post-hummus? Yes. <laughs> is it just a hummus on its own or with pear bread? Yeah, you, you get told you've earned it when you're like 30, but you can't use the title until you, you're deceased. Because that way, if you do anything before you die, you can have it revoked. Your life's ended, you're not going to mess it up. <laughs> yep, don't need to go into that one too much, but yep. <laughs> <laughs> Let's avoid it. Let's just avoid the fruit. Yep, yep. Okay, so what do we think of the song Thunderball? I did not like it myself. I think it's probably the worst one from the 60s. And I'm going to argue that later on. <laughs> Spoiler for the end of the show. <laughs> I just think it's weird. It doesn't It doesn't sound right. I don't know if it's the way he sings. It doesn't quite fit with the music. I don't know. It just... Already, even though there's only been two James yeah. Bond songs, it's like he's trying to do a James Bond song. <laughs> That's how it comes across. Yeah, so I'm not a huge fan of this one. Yeah, and you won't have to argue with me, Alex, because I'm exactly the same. I just don't, I just don't really like it. It's not memorable. I listened to it even the other day, two, three times over. It just... It doesn't. St- it doesn't stick. Yeah. When we st- decided to do this, when I looked at the films from the sixties, like, I kind of remember all of them except that one. I just had yeah. no idea how it went. Maybe it's the difficulty of trying to get Thunderball into a song. <laughs> the word Thunderball. <laughs> well, difficulty with the word Thunderball is interesting to say because infamously, the final Thunderball, Tom Jones fainted while performing. Really? <laughs> really? Yep. It, it does go up because I think at the beginning it's like it's down. It's like Thunderball, and then at the end it's like Thunder, like massive operatic Thunderball, isn't it? Yeah, whilst he was recording it, he was told to hold the note, but he hadn't prepped, so he was holding Thunderball like on a normal amount of breath. <laughs> I've got a quote from Tom Jones. I closed my eyes, <laughs> and I held the note for so long, when I opened my eyes, the room was spinning. And I... And, and I... and then he went on to say something about Elvis Presley. <laughs> yeah, of course, yeah. He's like Tom Jones crossed with Captain Birdseye. <laughs> <laughs> I, I must admit, I didn't think the first accent we'd be doing on this episode would be Tom Jones. <laughs> no, were you expecting a Sean? Yeah, I was. Yeah, thanks, Ben. I was expecting you to do it as well. I know, I know. Sorry, I've let myself down. <laughs> <laughs> that was good that day. I enjoyed it. You're brilliant. It seems like it wasn't worth it, though. You know, like, passing out for this song. Well, I guess he didn't think, oh, I'm going to go for it. It was more like, oh, oh, no, I'm being told I have to keep going. Yeah. 
So you say like this song is like the most forgettable, but as soon as this one started, this was where I was like, I know this song, but from something else. <laughs> really? So uh, somehow Leslie Nielsen spoof movie Spy Hard is getting <laughs> a, se- a second mention on this God. podcast series. <laughs> that movie's up in credits, which is done in the same style, like underwater. But the difference is, Weird Al Yankovic is the person who's singing. <laughs> it's it's done quite well. It's actually a pretty good Bond song, except the second verse where the lyrics get a bit stupid, obviously. But they spoof the whole Tom Jones fainting at the end. When Weird Al goes for the final note, his head explodes. <laughs> I think in future, we'll need to do a sort of Bond song parodies episode. Maybe get a few Austin Powers in there. Yeah, yeah, definitely a few. So if you thought that Thunderball didn't seem like it fit and it was trying to be a James Bond song, that's because it was the fourth song recorded for this film. Okay. Remember earlier when I said Shirley Bassey had three, but should have been four? Yes, I did remember that, D. It's all <laughs> going to pay off now because she recorded the original song for this, which was called Mr. Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Ooh, I like it. Which, again, you can listen to online. It's on YouTube. It's inspired by an Italian review of Dr. No, which dubbed James Bond as Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. The song, I would say, is okay. Definitely the weakest of the four she recorded. So I can see why they got rid of it. Yeah. It doesn't really hit the heights of Shirley Bassey's other songs. Other... Is it better than Thunderball? No, I don't think so. Oh, okay. So, second, a song called Thunderball, this time performed by Johnny Cash. What? That, what? that, would, have been, that would have been interesting. <laughs> it does not sound at all like a Bond song. It literally sounds like, oh, um, what if I changed Ring of Fire to Thunderball and then just recorded it? <laughs> That's most Johnny Cash songs, to be fair. <laughs> I could not imagine a Johnny Cash song over a James Bond theme. Yeah, it just doesn't fit, and I don't know why it was ever considered. I know, obviously, in future we'll get different styles, different takes, and different genres, but this is one that just does not work. Cross it off. Song number three. This one was a re-recording of Mr. Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. <laughs> but this one was by Dion Warwick. Or Dion Warwick, Warwick, yeah. Warwick yeah. yeah. So it had a different pace. It had a longer intro because they'd already finished visuals for the film. Right. This version is so much better than Shirley Bassey's. I mean, Dion Warwick's got an amazing voice. I can imagine her on a Bond. Is it still kind of like a big bandy type song, though? Like a bit like the Thunderball song is? This one is. Yeah. The Shirley Bassey one, not, not as much. Right. Of all these songs, this one probably should have been the song for the film. Interesting, well, they didn't go with it. Tom Jones' song was like written and recorded a week before the film was due to be released. Oh, God. Wow. <laughs> so rush job. If it sounds like a rush job and sounds like they're trying to uh, make a Bond song, it's because they were rushing to do it. That kind of rings true. Rushing with love. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I didn't write that joke down, by the way. That was ad-libbed. Mm. Was that organic? Mm. I like that. It was terrible, but I liked it. <laughs> um, yeah, it did, that makes sense as to why it doesn't quite work, I think. It doesn't feel very thought out. Although when he just say Thunderball, I think it does pop, on, pop, up, pop up on screen. <laughs> Get my peas out. It seems weird to me that you'd create the credits before you know what the song is going to be. Yeah. yeah. I suppose if you're having four songs, <laughs> you have to go through four songs to figure out you probably have to do for time constraints. So that concludes my section of the 1960s Bond songs. Hi, Future Dietrich here. It's at this point during the editing process where I realised that the episode was not going to be ready in full in time. So we decided to split into two parts. So next week we'll continue talking about 1960 James Bond film. In the meantime, like, share and subscribe and let us know what you think.
Just like you're in a recording studio. <laughs> You've got a guy behind some glass, like going, higher, higher. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> go on the beat, Alex, go on the beat. <laughs> <laughs> Just hit that snare drum, hit it. There's no, no snare in my earphones. <laughs> is that Eminem, that one? Yeah. Is it, mic is on? Gonna do this one song, this one song only. Where's my Frappuccino? I want my fucking Frappuccino. <laughs> right, shall I start? Yep. Yes. <laughs> I'll be doing this for days. Yep, this can go at the end. Uh...